0: The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, good morning, Church. How are we? Doing well? Good. Four of you? That's good. Um, If you don't know me, my name is Kylem, and uh, yeah, I do have the great privilege of uh, being one of the pastors here at LCC. Uh, And we have been going through what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, and so that the The idea of uh, of this series really has just been going bit by bit through what Jesus says and seeking to understand how it might be to us in our lives, uh, for those of us who are Christians and uh, for those of us maybe who aren't Christians but we're here. It's it's a good insight to get an idea of what it actually means to be Christ followers and those who would be following Jesus uh, in His kingdom. We went through. Um, it was by Pete Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And in this book, uh, it gets uh, quite deep and personal and the idea was really to encourage us as leaders um, to be thinking about our walk with Jesus and to, to go deeper than doing leadershipy things. This year, we're going through Paul Tripp's book, uh, Lead, but, but one of the things that Pete Scazzaro does in this book, and at the end of each chapter, he kind of gives all these extra. Like, why don't you read this? Why don't you read this? And sometimes you get these, these interesting, uh, different types of ancient authors that you read. Uh, and one of the authors that he suggested reading was uh, a lady by the name of St. Teresa of Avila. And she had this book called The Interior of the You can actually go and Google this book. It's quite hard to read, I will be honest. Um, you almost need, like, an interpreter or something, someone who's taken the book and rewritten it in easier English. Um, but it's a fascinating read by this, this lady, who essentially, she's kind of running this, this convent, she's in charge of a bunch of nuns, and she's been asked to write on prayer for all of the women in this, in this particular place. And so she, she starts exploring the idea of what it looks like to walk with God. And the principle behind this, this book is she gets this idea of, like, what if the human soul... What if it's kind of like a diamond or like a crystal that has many rooms or many mansions? And she kind of is reflecting as she's reading on uh, some of Jesus' Jesus's words. And she's like, and it seems to her that each of these mansions is a different dimension in which your soul gets to interact and commune with the transcendent being named God. And what if out of that the light starts starts to shine out of our lives. So in other words, as you meet the true King, as you commune with Him, something changes, something transforms the inside, the immaterial part of you, from which now you do all of your deeds. And I think as I was reading her, it was very challenging. Um, I don't agree necessarily with everything she wrote, but it really, really challenged me. And as I was reading again this passage, I, I, I kind of think this is also what Jesus is getting at in this passage, which is, there are lots of Christian things we can do. There are of religious practices which are good things of which we disconnected. If the external outward act is disconnected with the internal state of communion with God, there is no reward. As you read that, you over and over and over again, in each example, He gives three examples. There's the reward, there's the reward, there's the reward. And so what Jesus does in this particular section, He starts off with this principle, and then He gives these three examples. So He starts off, verse chapter 6, verse 1, He says, "...beware of practicing your righteousness before other people, in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven." And what Jesus does here, he launches into like the three dimensions of our life, our relationship to the world or to our neighbor, our relationship to God, and our relationship to ourselves. And I love reading Jesus because he's a master communicator, eh? he's such a good communicator. But notice he starts off with beware, Take, take care, turn your mind to, pay attention. In other words, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to be aware of this because this will be the temptation of your life to do christian religious things apart from Christ that's the temptation of every christian and if you if you remember when you first became a christian All you wanted to do was do things for Jesus. All you wanted to do was pray to Him, read the Bible, go to church, do Christian things. But then what we see is over time, we then get tempted to just keep doing those things apart from the vitality and the spiritual reality of like, but I've been saved by God. I know God. I walk with God. And so there becomes a disconnect between the external and the internal. And he says, beware, Christian, beware, kingdom man, kingdom woman. And then he speaks about the the hypocrites, that that they do this in a way, they do these activities in order to be seen by them. The problem is not the practicing of righteousness. It's the why we practice the righteousness. Righteousness. And so, Jesus makes a whole lot of examples where He's going to kind of go, this is how the hypocrites do it, don't do it like the hypocrites do it like this. And to us, when we hear the word hypocrite, we, we, we think a hypocrite is the Christian pastor person who's doing what I'm doing right now, but on the side is living a completely different right life, right? And that's a, that's a hypocrisy. Uh, that, that is certainly true, but I think what Jesus actually has in mind is the idea of a play actor, Okay, so Herod the Great has come before Jesus. He is—he's literally built theatres in Jerusalem, in Jericho, in Samaria. They're everywhere. And so this idea of theatre and acting is becoming more and more prominent in their culture. And what actors would do is they'd wear different masks depending on the character that they would play. So you'd often get the same person playing multiple characters. You'd know which character they're playing because they would put on the particular mask. And so this is what Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, don't be like the the hypocrites who just put on a mask so that it looks like you are Christian, so that it looks like you are pious or religious. Now, who does an actor act for? They act for the audience. Right? That's the point of acting. The point of acting is to get into a character so the audience buys into the character and they're like, wow, that was an amazing. That was ama-. So there are certain actors who I, I love and will watch every movie. Denzel Washington, I'm, watch, I'm watching that guy's flicks. I don't even know what the story If he's in it, I'm like, I'll go and watch it. I love Denzel. Does anyone else like Denzel? I'm not getting a whole lot. Of, okay, there's a few. Okay, anybody else got any favorite actor? Okay, well, look at that. There's a whole lot of you. Wow, you love Denzel. I picked a good one. Nicholas Cage? Stephen Seagal? Oh baby, Steven Seagal right there, am I right? Carly has had to watch every Steven Seagal movie because he is an amazing actor, you should see that guy run, he's got a weird arm thing going on all the time. <laughs> if you remember earlier though, Jesus said this in 516, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Well, what is it, Jesus? Are we to? Do- are we to do it in such a way that people see it? Or are we to do it in secret? And I think what we see here is in 5:16, look at the words, "Let your light shine." It's the interior castle. It's let what is, what is going on on the inside of your soul, the spiritual vitality, let that thing be what people see. And as they see what you do on the outside, they will connect it to the internal and go, we will glorify God in heaven. So one commentator says this, he says, The light of a Christian character will shine before men and win glory for God without the artificial aid of public advertisement. And then notice he says that there will be no reward from your father. And so we're going to get into the reward at the end. But let's go through the three examples, all right? You with me? Okay, number one is the relationship to our neighbor. So verse two, it says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, in a, in a culture, in a society where there is no center link. Okay, there's no family benefit payments. There is no welfare at all. It is culturally the responsibility of the people to give to the needy. So predominantly, anyone that could afford to is giving to the poor. They are finding those who have need and they are giving them money, giving them finances, right? But the way in which the hypocrite does it is the hypocrite makes sure they shake up the amount of coins that they have in their wallet, like like my daughter sometimes does when she's got like... So so my son's got like a $50 note and she's got like $2 worth of like five cent pieces and she feels like it's a lot. And so she's shaking that thing of like, look how much money I have. You've got one, I've got heaps. And so what they would do is they would throw it in and they'd make lots of noise about it and they'd make sure everybody else is watching that they give. And they would give in the synagogues, which is basically that the spiritual Place, and they would give in the streets that's the marketplace so they're giving in a way which is loud they are blowing their own trumpet they are making sure that people see that they give and Jesus says that's not how Christians that's not how Christ followers give we do not give in order that others would go wow you are generous I remember some years ago, my, my wife's parents were in a particular church of which they did a giving campaign. And at the end of that giving campaign, there was a special dinner put on for the highest givers. And, and I believe, I, knew, I, knew, I know a bunch of these pastors, I believe it was, it was well intended, but I think this is what Jesus is saying. When you do that, you get all the, all the good givers. who 20,000 and they get a special dinner which is a way of saying thank you for your generosity but it also meant we're like we're the highest givers rather than a single mum with four kids who's just trying to put food on the is working two jobs who could give $20 and doesn't get a seat at that table this, this, is, this is Jesus like this, this, we're not here comparing with one another this is about generosity of heart and that's between you and the Lord How do you give? And so these these people are giving loudly, blowing their own trumpet. It's a public relations stunt. That's all it is. It is completely disconnected from their heart and love for Jesus. It's completely disconnected from their heart and love and compassion towards the needy. And Jesus says, no, 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 We, we give in secret. We give in a way that is marked by self-forgetfulness and the pleasing of God and God alone. That's why we give. That's why we give to the poor. That's why we give to the needy. I, I can tell you in this church, I've heard time and time again where there is somebody who has a need and publicized. Eventually, I hear it through somebody else because they're like, hey, we just want to love our brother and our sister. That's how we give. Amen. And so that's the idea of relationship to the, to the neighbor. The second one is the relationship to God. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand, listen to the words again, and pray in the synagogue and the street corners. So they love to pray in public. Why? So that they can be seen by others. And others would go, wow, she's an amazing prayer. Have you ever been intimidated to pray in a group of people where somebody else prays and they pray with like the massive words? And you're like, oh, I don't even know what those words mean. So I'm just going to pray in tongues and trump that. <laughs> you know, that words means No, I didn't think so. I've got the gift of... I'll just tell you what I prayed. He says, truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. So I think there are two ways that Jesus contrasts prayer here. The first is the acting hypocrites pray as a way of using God. They pray so they can be seen by others. So I'm going to do this religious activity. You all think I'm an amazing Christian. So that others go, wow, they're super spiritual. And so they're not praying to commune with God. They're not praying to be with God. They're not praying to make requests to their father. Their primary focus is in how will you hear? What will you think of my prayer? And I love Jesus. If you see Jesus, Jesus often prays in public, but he also prays in private. And it will say that he goes off to just be with his dad. Now, again, I have kids, I've got four children. And when my kids are with me and just in my home, there is a different different way of behaving in the home than what they do in public when they're at home, they don't have to worry about perceptions. They just come and interrupt. They come and just I want to go ride the bike, do this thing. See, the, the hypocrite, the actor, is praying with themselves in mind. The Christ follower, the Christian, prays with God in mind. Our prayers are God-centered. We're thinking about who we pray to. And if you remember, Shane picked up on this last week. He picked up on this part that will come after this. We pray to our Father who is in heaven. See, a hypocrite finds God useful. They do not find God beautiful. Tim Keller often asks the question, do you find God useful or do you find Him beautiful? And if you would find God beautiful, you will be rewarded by your relationship with God. If you find God useful, you will be someone who said, I tried Christianity and it didn't work. Because you used God as a means to something else. Prayer is the means of meeting, communing with God. And then he uses pagans, and and pagans are different from the hypocrites. The pagans try to impress God. So notice it says that the pagans, they heap up empty phrases. Other other, uh, versions will say vain repetitions or babbling. Okay, The premise that a pagan had in first century culture was the gods are against us. All of these so-called beings... So there's gods for everything. They, their, their natural disposition is against the human. And so what we have to do is we have to pray in a way that will appease them. And so they come up with ways of doing that. So they would come up with particular phrases and they would say, say this phrase enough. If we do this, we will appease them. We will keep them happy with us and therefore maybe type type of blessing. And so the starting point is an, it's an absence of faith. The starting place is an assumption that God is against. The Christian assumption is that God is for. As Jesus goes on to say, He is our Father. And what Father is not for their children? So our starting place is God. It is just to be with Him. We're not trying to appease Him. Again, as you were here last week, Shane walked through Jesus' model for prayer. And what he says is like, we bring our petitions to him. Why? Because he wants to meet our needs. We then can confess. Why? Because we know he wants to forgive. He is gracious. He is merciful. And this is the distinction between the, the... cultural Christian and the genuine Christian is we can pray, we can sing, and do this as a means to tick the box. And when we do that, we miss the reward of actually meeting with, communing with, enjoying the God of the universe who is our Father. And can I tell you, when you do that, Christianity becomes lifeless. And you will one day say, I tried it, it doesn't work. So the Christian pray is not to use God. That's why they can do it in private. We don't have to pray on a Sunday. We can actually do it throughout the week because Jesus has made a way for us to commune with God every single day of every single moment of every single week. You can talk to God just before that stressful meeting. You can talk to God after that moment you've got angry with your spouse or had a, had a, a moment with your kids and you can walk you can just walk out of that room, walk to another room and just go God, I just need to talk. I just need to talk to you right now. Christians don't pray Mindless, mechanical, faithless prayer to appease God. But we pray as a means of trusting that God is our loving Father who knows our needs, wants to meet us, and to forgive us of all of our transgressions. And we saw that. Last week. And one of Shane's points last week was just just pray what you got. One of the best things to do, I think, is listen to how kids pray. You do not find kids who come and sit around a table and pray and they think and they get stressed about what to pray. If your kids are anything like me, it's like, okay, it's time to stop praying because I want to eat. That's uh, a grace prayer, but we don't have to pray for every single human being that exists in the world. Do you know what I mean? Like if you get kids, it's like, go and just pray for Tracy, pray for Billy, and guys want to lift up. It's like, I'm hungry, man. Let's just get the. eat. I get it. We love God, right? Kids, kids in the home, they, they don't feel the stress of having to, to like pray in a certain way that makes mum or dad happy with their prayers. They just pray what's on their heart. Sometimes they're the most simplest of prayers. Dear God, I need your help because of A, B, C, and D. And you know what? I think adults can learn a lot from listening to how children feel. It's so simple because they recognize God as their father. And they're not trying to appease him. They're not trying to coerce him. They're just trying to speak from their heart. So pray what you got. And then he goes to example three. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that so your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. In, in Jewish culture and customs, they had certain days of fasting. But the Pharisaicals, the, the religious elite, predominantly fasted for the purpose of spiritual discipline. So they would fast Mondays and Thursdays every week. How are you all doing with your fasting? Okay, are we good? Okay, everyone's like, oh, I don't I hate fasting. I know, uh, but these guys, would, they'd fast Mondays and Thursdays because they were disciplining their body and saying, no, no, we, we, we are taking our flesh and we're we going to mortify it. We're going to control it so that it it's spiritual. And Jesus says, even in your act of trying to do that, you're not doing anything spiritual at all because you're intentionally making sure everyone knows really how hungry you are. And you're gloomy. You're like, why are you so down? Oh, look, man, I've been fasting 17 days. And it's just like, it's been amazing. Like, I'm not bragging or anything, but it's just been just, I'm so spiritual. And he's like, you have missed the entire point. You were you trying to look spiritual. You were trying to promote yourself. So the cross follower fast. I just like, I feel like the other two we're probably good on. Verse 16, and when you fast, can I just like maybe our issue here is not that we put on like when we're fasting it could be the fact that we don't actually fast i'm just going to drop that there and leave that we'll keep going Uh, but god that's what fasting is fasting is saying i'm not going to eat i'm going to go over here now and commune i'm going to set aside that time i'm going to set aside that that satisfaction desire of this heart to make sure that my spiritual my internal my immaterial is is right with god It's another mansion in that interior. And out of that flows love and light. And so what is Jesus saying? Well, I think Jesus is challenging our modern Western cultural Christianity. I actually think that's what He's doing. He's doing it to them in the ancient sense, but I think we can listen to this and go, hey, we've got our own modern modern ways of of doing this. Maybe for us it's not the prayer, maybe for us it's, it's not the giving, but maybe for us it is the church attending. Maybe for us it is the church serving. And what Jesus is doing is Jesus is pushing against cultural Christianity, which is disconnected from the soul, from the heart. And so he uses the language of secrecy repeatedly. Why? The secrecy is about what, Where's your heart? It's connecting our hearts, our minds, the righteous acts of giving, the righteous acts of praying, the righteous acts of fasting, whatever it may be, to our heart and our love for God. Listen to the way Paul puts it in both Colossians and Ephesians. He says, Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Listen to this, not by way of eye service as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work hardly as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward for you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 6 he puts it this way, not by way of eye service as people pleases, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Do you see the repeated phrases of reward and secrecy and heart? I don't know if you've heard of uh, Jinga, her name is Jinga Dugga Vuola. I don't know if you've heard of her. She came out of a cult. Um, She's got some interesting stuff that she is currently writing about. Um, She's from the States. And for her, there was this disentanglement that she had to make because she was brought up in this religious institution, this religious, essentially, this religious cult. And she was on TV all the time in the States. And eventually she, she broke away from that. And, and rather than deconstructing her faith, she actually said, well, I'm not going to deconstruct. I'm going to disentangle and I'm going to read what Jesus says. And what she's actually done is she's realized all of the things that they were doing were not necessarily in of themselves wrong. They were just absence of Christ and the gospel of Jesus. It was a means to an end in themselves. And so what what Jesus says here is, listen, there is a reward when you do it this way. There There is something that you get when you walk with Jesus in this way. And church, I love you. I want you to know God personally and walk with him. I want you better open up this book and read it and know that you are hearing from the God of the universe, the transcendent one who made you and is for you, and without him, you will be lifeless. Christianity, absent of Christ, is death, it's religion. It does nothing but over and over and over again. He says if you do it this way, if you do it in secret where your heart is connected to God, out of that will flow rivers of living water. And notice that though these things are done in secret, it does not mean that our Father doesn't see. He does and He will reward you. And what is that reward? I think the reward is life. True, spiritual, vibrant life, spiritual vitality of walking and communing with God. And there is a way to do all of the Christian things apart from Him. And there is a way to do all of the Christian and that is the difference between having a vibrant spiritual walk with God. Or being like the hypocrites and the religious elite who walk with Jesus and do not know him. These men, these women see him every single day, are around him every single day. And he's like, but you don't know me. The one who seeks the approval of man, he says, has received it. The one who seeks communion with me will get it. And I think this is what he says at the beginning of his sermon, where he says, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see. So here is my question. Christian, where are you with God? Like, really, where are you with God? How is your walk with Jesus? When you pray, when you give, when you serve, when you go to life group, when you rock up the church, whatever it is, the things that we do, when you speak to your neighbor, have them in your home, beware, be mindful to not disconnect God from that activity. Keep Jesus center, guard your heart, protect it, keep fighting for the sake that Jesus will be the center of your life and don't let anything else come in and steal and rob you from that because that's where life is And I'm yet to find a Christian who does this, who doesn't enjoy their Christianity, who doesn't love their faith. Why? Because they walk with Jesus, the one who loves, the one who gives them grace and mercy. They know Him and commune with Him. And I think the challenge to the Christian West is we can do a whole lot of stuff, do a whole lot of Christian activities, and it doesn't lead us to... Activities are good. They're not wrong. Jesus doesn't say, don't pray, don't give, don't He says, when you connect it to me, and out of that will flow livers of living water. Let's pray. Our God, we... We live in a busy world. We live in a, a culture which leads to lots of stress and anxiety and worry. There are many things that consume our hearts and minds. And God, for some of us in this room, maybe those things rob our joy and take from us the actual communing with you. That we, we, we literally just, just play because it's a good thing to do or we serve because it's just the Christian thing to do or maybe we got a life group because we should and God discipline and and practice is not wrong you're not saying don't do those things or stop those things you are encouraging us hey keep doing those things but don't do it that way do it this way because that's where the life is And so, God, in a, in a room this size, there are so many of us in different places with you right now. Some of us feel a little bit disenfranchised. Some of us are discouraged or, or weary and tired. Others are, are new and feeling refreshed in our faith and, and things are moving and it feels great. God, I pray that you would help all of us to put you first, to seek you first, to know you. And out of that, our soul of going through this, Teresa Ravilla says, going through the different mansions of communing with you in different ways that we would, we would live out of that. And light would shine. We would become bright. Filled with love. Filled with joy. Filled with hope. I pray that you would help us to see maybe where we're just going through the motions. Maybe where we're just ticking boxes. And we're neglecting the substance for the form. Help us to get back to the substance, which is knowing you, walking with you, communing with you, loving you, enjoying you, spending time with you, and out of that, loving our neighbor, serving the church, out of that, helping others that are in need, whatever it might be. Holy Spirit, we need your help in this way because we are tempted to do good things apart from God. And may that not be the story of our individual hearts, our family hearts, and the heart of this church, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us,